Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I just had deja vu. Like, I've been here and I've done this before. It's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. That, oh. that, that voice you heard was Tom. Yes, And then sir, over here, present. to my left, is Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. All right, so we are, uh, we're here, once again, uh, gathered around this wonderful table, complete with Luxurious donuts table. and croissants. And uh, some nice coffee we and tea. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine, Bill, lives in Massachusetts. He asked whether or not this booth was, in fact, luxurious, and I told him it, it, it is. It is nice. Fantastic leather. You know? well, no, 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 no. It's pleather. It oh. is not leather. It See, is. It had me fooled. It's naga hide. So whatever those those naga beasts, wherever they have them, the naga ranch, <laughs> they naga have gotten beast. us a red one and a white one. <laughs> And they've made us a booth, which is nice. Yes. Uh, you should go online and look at our booth. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, uh, we are going to talk about something people have probably never heard of before. The story of the prodigal son. Has anyone ever heard that before? Never anyone? heard of it. Not No? Is that in... Uh, it's in the Bible. It is. Okay. It's, okay. it's not one of those seven deuterocanonical books. It's pretty much accepted by... I thought it was yeah, the Bible and not Homer, but I just, <laughs> just kind of... <laughs> no, it's not a story from Homer. It's not a Greek tragedy or anything like that. No, we've all heard the prodigal son, left and right, up and down, back and forward. And to some degree, I think we tune out. I mean, don't you, yeah. you know, we, we hear it, it so much, it's like we hear it a couple times a year in uh, at Mass, and we just kind of go like, oh, I know this story, so I'll go about disciplining my child, or I'm going to look through the bulletin yes, and see right. when the fish fries are, you know, I, I need to, you know, kind of catch up on the news of the parish, and we kind of don't listen to the gospel, right. um, and then the preaching isn't always stellar, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are some really good homilies out there about the prodigal son. But, you know, I just, it's one of the most written about, most talked about things. But I think it's also one of the most difficult for people to sort of uh, get anything out of. And I, that sounds weird, but sometimes we're so distant from, it's like, oh, I've heard all this before. I know this. It's like knowing the, the punchline to a joke or something. You just, you're not moved by it. And I just don't know that a lot of people get moved by this gospel. So we're going to talk about, I guess, why it shows up in Lent. Mm-hmm. Why it's an important thing, and then really, what practical applications can we get from this gospel mm. that that are actually going to inform us in our day to day lives? That's our goal here. Now, it may be kind of a lofty goal, but like Tom's hair, we have lofty goals here at the Catholic <laughs> Cafe, and we are not going to settle for less, as it were. Uh, That's a good goal. Yeah, is it? It is. The, the, the saints' calls on your hair is still going, though, right? <laughs> it's is still it? On. Is it? It's not blessed yet. <laughs> Is it venerable? What well, I don't you just read the story wise. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that because you don't want Tom and his hair to be angry at you. That, the, the wrath of Tom's hair would be terrible. Um, so let's uh, let's let's just take a look at the gospel story. And now, what it does is, um, you know, we we take a little piece from to get to get us a setting. Uh, the church is chosen from so there's the fifteenth chapter of Luke. And the very beginning of the 15th chapter, we hear tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. So that's the context. Now, then there's the parable of the lost sheep. 
is what follows next. But we skip that parable at Mass, and we're going to go straight to verse 11 when we start the, the, the story of the prodigal son. Mm. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend his swine. And he longed to eat the fill of the pods which, on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. So wow, there's there is so much in this story that you could this thing. I I think there've probably been like a million different homilies about this particular reading, and they've all been different mm-hmm. because there's so many different parts and pieces. But I, I I just think that as I read that, I was actually thinking about people who might be listening right now and who were driving and who decided, or they were at home and they decided, well, now is the time to go check the laundry because I know this story. Mm. Right, and so they walked off, and I and I'm not judging because I do the same thing sometimes. In fact, sometimes I pay more attention to the gospel because I'm actually reading it as a deacon at mass, you know. And and I can't go away, I can't look away, I can't get distracted. I'm looking at those words, so I have that blessing. But I I, I know that in the past I've been challenged with how do I pay attention to something like this, and I think that if we're able to look at like what things stick out and what strike us, what is it like on that story? Like Tom or or Sam, what is it that that you like? This is what I always think about. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the thing that just comes to mind. I always what? think about the father catching sight of his son and running. Right. I, I, I picture myself doing the same thing with one of my kids. Mm. You know, you haven't seen him in a long time. Um, you you just catch sight. You don't even have to be be looking for them. You just catch them out of the side of your side of your view, 
No, that just is awesome. turn and run. Yeah. You know, that tells you about the love of the Father. Forgiveness. Right. And his willingness to forgive. In fact, his eagerness to forgive. Right. Look, all you have to do is just, you know, you go in this little box. You say these words. Yeah. And, and if you have a penitent heart, you're forgiven. Exactly. You know? um, I love the, the, a lot of times priests will make comparisons to this reading to uh, confession. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the different things that go on. The, the sin, the, the penitent heart. Right. And then coming back and is certainly the the penance maybe would be his willingness to eat the you know swine food mm-hmm. right his his suffering his his starvation mm-hmm. uh and then to be welcomed back in and then to go to the divine and heavenly uh banquet right of the mass to be reconciled to the church what a beautiful image it is but certainly tom when you're talking about the father running out to meet him i i, I like it when i'm counseling or when i'm talking to somebody and they're they just are ashamed because they're they're sinners, and they just they just feel like I I shouldn't be here. I'm not worthy, and it's like helping them to understand that no one is worthy, right. and that even in our unworthiness, that God rushes out to meet us. That's right. He doesn't sit on some ivory throne. Yes, God is on the throne in the kingdom of heaven, but it's like this throne apparently that that it's got wheels on it or something because it races towards you. Right. Right. And that part is is beautiful. He doesn't wait for the son to have to say all of his thing that he had, re- he, yeah, you know, he had rehearsed. Speech. He mm-hmm. rehearsed a speech. Right. Lord, uh, Father, I've done this and this and this, and these are the things, and I want you to know this, and I'd be willing to do this, and this is what's going to happen, and I just want to make – I want to say all that stuff to you. Mm-mm. Before he even really gets any of that out, it's uh, – you know what? It's an embrace. Welcome. Right. You know, and he runs out to meet him, and he doesn't sit and wait for his son to come and lay something at his feet, right. like I want repayment of all the money you lost, or, right. or you know, he doesn't ask for anything, but you know, he hugs him, and then they kill the fattened calf. Right. Yeah. You know, for me, I find it interesting that it, ta- it tells us uh, both sides of of the story of mercy. Right. On one hand, the immense mercy of the Father, and the fact that we don't have we're, we don't have the power over the Father's heart, we can't change God's heart for us. Right. On the other hand, you know, a lot of times I actually use this. Uh, parable and con- and conversing with some of our separated brothers and sisters who insist on this or that verse in the in the Bible saying, oh, well, once saved, always saved, that you mm-hmm. can't, quote, lose your salvation. And what I try to use this parable in the, in the first half of it is to say, well, it's not like losing your salvation, like, oh, where did I put it? You know, like I lost my car keys or I didn't, I did this thing and didn't realize that I was going to lose something, right. uh, you know. And in fact, what it is, is we see this young man saying, give me mine, which is coming to me. Right. And re- referring to his inheritance, which comes after the father has passed away. So what he's saying is drop dead. And in other words, what, what he's saying is you're dead to me mm. and turning his back on the father and so on one hand, yeah, we don't have the power to change God's heart for us, but God's also created us in such a way to where we have freedom of choice and, we, and, and the ability to abuse that freedom and to say to God, you're dead to me. So when we fall into mortal sin, that's, it's because that's what we're saying to God is you're dead to me. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's scary. 
That's serious. That's good. We're going to talk more about that. We have to take a break before we do that. I don't want to leave that thought. So remember, you're dead to me. Those are the key words, Tom. Remember, you're dead to me. <laughs> we're going to take a break before we do that. We want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, uh, hit us up on uh, Facebook and the and the uh, tweet us, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and instantly gram us or whatever that thing is, right? I'm, yes. I'm acting like instantly an idiot. Instantly Yes. But all those things, social media, we'd love for you to like us and you know, Saint Tweet, Saint Tweetus is actually Tweetus. the uh, patron <laughs> saint of social media. Awesome, beautiful, <laughs> right? So very good, and uh, and also uh, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Deacon Jeff at that. Where is it again? Oh, the the Deacon Jeff at the Catholic Cafe dot com. Not a Catholic Cafe, or not that Catholic Cafe, <laughs> but the Catholic Cafe dot com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zimski. And this is another great moment in church history. The heresy of iconoclasm came to the forefront in the early 8th century and lasted well into the 9th century. The iconoclast, whose name means image breakers, rejected the use of images of God or humans, but especially those of Christ, Mary, the saints, and holy events. These images had become commonplace in churches and homes throughout the Universal Church over the centuries, with paintings, drawings, sculptures, and other images dating to the earliest days of the Christian Church. The iconoclast felt that to venerate these images was tantamount to idolatry, and their influence was causing a rift within the Church. A council was called in the late 8th century, which addressed the issues of icons and sacred images in particular, but in a more general sense, the very nature of the worship of God. The Second Council of Nicaea in 787 AD was the seventh ecumenical council of the Church and spoke with the full weight of the magisterium, the teaching authority of the Roman Catholic Church. There was much discussion and prayer by the bishops attending the universal gathering. They took into account not only the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but also the works of many great Catholic theologians of the day. The writings of St. John of Damascus are said to have had a profound influence on the Council Fathers. About the subject of sacred art, he said, If a pagan asks you to show him your faith, take him into a church and place him before the icons. The Second Council of Nicaea dogmatically decreed that the Church's inspired tradition of the veneration of sacred images be upheld. The Council proclaimed, We define that the holy icons, whether in color, mosaic, or some other material, should be exhibited in the holy churches of God, on the sacred vessels and liturgical vestments, on the walls, furnishings, and in the houses along the roads, namely the icons of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that of Our Lady, Theotokos, those of the venerated angels, and those of all the saintly people. Whenever these representations are contemplated, they will cause those who look at them to commemorate and love their prototype. Still today, the Catholic Church continues the centuries-old tradition of the use and benefit of sacred images of all kinds. The dogmatic decrees of the Second Council of Nicaea and many subsequent ecumenical councils to follow on the proper veneration of these images served as a spiritual anchor of inspiration to sacred tradition and the divine revelation of God. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe with Tom Dorian and Sam Rodriguez. And we were talking about the prodigal son, which was actually, a lot of people don't realize, was written about Sam Rodriguez. It, so, it, right about my uh, my first year of college, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were probably the only person that had a very difficult first year of college. Probably <laughs> yes. The, <laughs> Most people get built up in their faith during that time. Now, did you have one of those little beanie hats with the little propeller on it back then in the day? <laughs> oh, yes. In fact, I, I had a, it came with a chin strap, which allowed yeah. me to actually fly with it. <laughs> so, a little rubber band also for the uh, propeller, so you just wind right. it up. And, okay. So, I'm laughing because I can pick it <laughs> all right so we're uh tom we're you're supposed dead to, to me you're dead to me thank you for yes. bringing back the keywords that are going to get Segway. us get back we into uh and where we were, we're talking about the prodigal son and uh you know sam right before the break just you know drops the big you know you're dead to me yeah uh, you know Bomb. and how uh that really is us essentially refusing the grace of god mm-hmm and uh, we, he was talking about our separated brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters who will we'll talk about once saved, always saved. But here is a story of someone who was with him, right? They were, and if and if this um, this great estate that he lives on, if if we're to call this heaven, right? Mm-hmm. If we're to see this as heaven, uh, you know, they were there with him, or they were in his graces, and then he left, right? Had now, the fullness of sonship, yes. And uh, he, they, he, he made a choice, and he chose to leave. And then, essentially, in that choice is where he's essentially committing what the Catholics would call a mortal sin. You know, you're dead to me. He's, he's saying, I don't need you. I don't want you. Uh, in fact, I just want the stuff that you can give me and then what's due to me, which I'm always scared to ask for that. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got a huge debt. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really want... Uh, it's going to be to, ugly. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, and uh, and then he takes off and leaves, you know. And this this idea of uh, of losing grace or leaving the of Graceland, you know, <laughs> the home of Elvis, you know, just leaving uh, is um, is profound. And you know, it kind of brings to mind the part that I love about this story, and that and I think it's the reason why we have this story, uh, why we tell this during Lent, uh, is because essentially. It's about repenting. You know, the, the son, in, in the way that, Sam, you would describe, you know, says, you're dead to me, takes off, you know, wallet full, you know, and just heads off and he, and he, and he blows it. it. says a life of dissipation. You know, I, that sounds like it might have been fun right at the beginning, but it got real bad when it dissipated, <laughs> when, right. all the, when all the stuff was gone. And, but there's a point in there where the son actually, his back is to his father when he realizes that ahead of him is nothing, mm. right? Ahead of him is not the father. Ahead of him is not uh, joy, no hope, nothing in he- ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And everything was stripped away from him so that he would see that there's nothingness in front of him. And right. so then he turns. And that, that simple pivot, that turn of his feet literally in the story but the turn of his heart is what made everything possible it made his his uh, welcome or re-welcome into the kingdom into the sonship and in, into into his father's good graces possible right that turn and it, it always makes me think about my own life and about people that i meet and people that i talk to who who really have gotten to the point at the end of some kind of addiction some kind of problem where they look ahead and they go i see nothing in front of me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
right? All this stuff that I thought, whether it was the pornography or the, the drugs or the alcohol, whatever it was, all this stuff that I thought was going to just, it was going to carry me and sustain me, is, it's dissipated, it's gone. Right. And, I, and I look in front of me and I see emptiness. And that's when they, they come back to the church. That's when they come and they want to reach out to whether it's Deacon Jeff or anybody else and say, can you help me find my way? Right, and and that's that turn that makes everything possible. Mm. And the beautiful salvation stories that I hear or that I've experienced all happen based on that one little simple pivot. And we might see like a play, like this big grand production, right? This long—it's a long story. Mm-hmm. It's a long gospel. You you'll, you'll sit in a mask and like, man, we're like thirty minutes long. This mask because the gospel is so long. It's a, it's a long gospel, but the reality is. Everything in that gospel hinges on that on that turning, mm. and and so when that turn happens, now all of a sudden, what's in front of him? Hope, and and the big payoff is it, it pays off, right? He gets right. close. He doesn't even get. He gets like literally onto the land, and all of a sudden, the father catches sight and races out to greet him. The father doesn't wait, and so that turn it just makes me think about all the people who are struggling in life, all the people who are looking for some. Uh, sense of hope, a sense of meaning in their lives. Um, they're struggling with addiction. They're struggling with pornography. They're start struggling with, uh, you know, addiction to power or, uh, you know, whatever it is that they're struggling with. A lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs going on in the world. And the reality is, it it, it doesn't mean that you have to be healed mm-hmm. to make that turn. Right. That turn is really just the. It's the one thing that you can do. You can do that. It's almost you, a pharisaical thought to even think you can be healed before, or, you, or excuse me, that you have to be healed before you can t- come back. Yes. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, because, you're no, you're exactly right. You're kind of being legalistic. Right. And God's not legalistic. Well, you're also you're also self-deprecating. You're saying, I, God can't possibly love me. Right, right. So I have to earn his love, and it's like, you don't. All you got to do is turn. You turn, and right. you make that turn, and your entire life changes. Yep. I mean, literally, if you're if you're... If you're standing there and you're looking in one direction and you make a 180 degree turn, which which our son, prodigal son, does here, you have a whole new view in front of right. you, and you go from hopelessness to hopefulness, right. right? Just in one simple turn. And I think also there's a beautiful exploration of what hope is and how it works in our lives, because the 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 thing that his hope imagines, so to speak, is. You know, just having a, a place to, of stability, being able to be back on the farm, having working having as, a meal. As, as a having a meal because he was yearning for the pods of the unclean right. swine, right. right? And so, having a meal, having a roof over his head, and being treated as the worst of his servants, a life of penance, that became his hope. And the fact is, is that what whatever it is that we might hope for in God, God's already has our imaginations beat. Like the what God actually has in store for us is way bigger and way more beautiful than what we might be hoping for, right. even if we're turning to him with an earnest heart. We, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, you know, what God has ready for those who right. love him. Yeah, and you know, I, it would, we would be remiss if we didn't also mention what happens at the end of the story here with the, with the older brother, mm. right? And, and uh, essentially, uh, you know, uh, who, who is this directed at? You oh, know, with Jesus, Pharisee, right? No so doubt. Jesus is looking right at the Pharisees, oh, yeah. you know, because they're, you know, they're already there. They're the chosen people. They're Jews. They're they should be already 
in good graces with God, and yet what they've done is they've they've become legalistic. They've uh, they've basically just sort of uh, put try to put God in a little box. Yeah. Right. And and certainly Jesus is directing this at them. Stop thinking about you know what you're losing. Think about what we're gaining in terms of like the the heaven. You know, it's like you have all this stuff before you. You have the church. You have hope. And hopefulness, like laid out before you, but you fail to see it, mm-hmm. right? And and you'd rather judge and see that oh he doesn't deserve it, right? Right? Or what about me? What do I get? What's my what's my uh, uh, reward in all of this? Mm-hmm. You know why does he get a bigger this or a bigger that? You know, and and the reality is we don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I, I think maybe that son has to turn, mm. right? And I think that the Lord would just remind him it's like. And maybe he did, as the Father says. You've always been here with me, and everything I have is yours. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that softened his heart. I heard a talk uh, given once that said that this is a, a message on the need for receptivity and the importance of receiving that which is given. That a lot of times, you know, what, what, he, what the second son has failed to do is receive that which is already given. Son, all that I have, I've already given to you, but yeah. have you really received what I've given to you? Have any of us really received uh, all the graces that God has given us, making us priest, prophet, king by our baptism, giving us a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a belt girded in truth, a shield of faith, a sword of and This sounds uh, like the toy aisle at Target, doesn't it? <laughs> this is incredible stuff. Imagine going down there and you could have it all. Yeah. Right, but that and also the gifts of the Holy Spirit Amen. and all the various, you know, all that is available to us and the call to holiness, yeah. you know, all that's available to us through that. Have we received that? Yeah. I mean, it's a Good simple question. thing. Again, it's it's as simple as just a turn. It's a pivot, right? And so, um, whoever you are, whoever's listening to this right now, uh, and just take it on. Uh, you know, my personal recommendation, my own personal experience in my own life. When I've I look back and I can see times where there have been pivots and turns um, that have changed my life, literally uh, in terms of grace and uh, offered me hope that maybe I thought wasn't there. Because simp- I wasn't looking at it, mm-hmm. right? So if you're listening to this and you're in a place where um, you don't have hope in front of you, put hope squarely in front of you. You may not be there at the Father's, you know, on his, his great estate yet. Turn and look at it mm-hmm. because I guarantee that he's going to see you and he's going to run towards you. Mm. But you need to put him um, essentially in your sights. So that means turn. So wherever you are, and it's it's a simple turn, and that's what we're going to pray for, and that's what we want folks to understand about the prodigal son. Turn and receive that grace. And let's ask our Blessed Mother to pray for us on this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.